do you need help with that? Go say thank you. Wait a minute. Eat your food. What if we took all those statements that we find ourselves repeating to our kids or maybe kids that we're blessed with in our lives as aunts, godmoms, and grandmothers and applied them to ourselves and our life with God? My guest today and I talk about phrases that we frequently find ourselves saying as parents and how our faith and our life can change when we imagine God saying those things to us, his daughters. Living out our feminine genius as mothers, whether that is spiritually or physically, can show us more about our role as daughters of God. I love thinking about these common phrases in a whole new light, so if you're someone who finds yourself repeating phrases over and over to the littles in your life, this episode is for you. I hope you enjoy it. We are welcoming to the show Lindsay Schlegel. She is the author of a new book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You, which was published by Ave Maria Press, and she talks about parenting lessons that have brought her closer to God. Lindsay, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to join you. Absolutely. I loved reading through the book. I love how practical it is. I'm a parent, but not to little people here on earth outside of the womb yet, and so this is all just like prep work, like, oh, I know I'm going to be saying those things soon. (laughs) Oh so, my God, right, and the things that you say, I'll never say that to my kids. No, you probably will. Totally going to be the will. first things out of my mouth, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So we're going to oh talk about talk about the book, talk about parenting, and how parenting's led you closer to the Lord. But before we dig into that subject, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story as a Catholic woman for women who haven't encountered you through your writing? Sure. So I grew up in New Jersey. I actually grew up six minutes by car away from my husband, but didn't know him until we were in high school. Um, Our parents moved to town in the same year, and it's not even that big of a town. Um, (laughs) But he went to private school, and I went to public school, so we didn't know each other until um, we were 16, and we met at our church youth group, and we started dating when we were 17. Um, So we're officially high school sweethearts. It was um, February of senior year that we started dating, so right at the buzzer. We went to different colleges, but nearby, and he proposed during the Boston Marathon that he was running our senior year at mile 24. That's awesome. And we got married about a year and a half later and had our first son almost a year later. So our oldest is Jacob. He's eight. Uh, And then we lost a child named Ethan to miscarriage at about 12 weeks. And we have a Henry, a Sarah, and a Thomas. So the youngest is eight months, which is strange for me because I'm from a family of only two. I have an older brother. My mom taught me the Catholic faith. She brought me to Mass. My brother kind of earlier on in his life decided it wasn't for him. So still praying for him. And my dad didn't practice anything. But he's now read my entire book. So pray for him, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the longest conversation we've had about faith. And it's printed. So we'll see what happens. So I've been writing, I guess, mostly since I left my job in publishing after Jacob was born. And I've written for a number of places online, for Verily, Natural Womanhood, CatholicMom.com. So this book was something that happened kind of when I heard my older son yelling at my younger son about something, something about Legos or some, you know, they were playing about something and he was Frankie. (laughs) And he was using a phrasing that was totally mine. And he got it from me, not (laughs) at the time he was five. This was not a phrasing that a five-year-old boy comes up with. Kind of sarcastic, a little snarky. I realized that he had learned it from me and I knew that I was going to have to unteach him that. But I also realized how hard that was going to be and how difficult as it is to be patient when things are frustrating. If I had been a better example to him, he wouldn't have learned that from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so not to beat myself up, but to encourage myself that there is more reason for me to try to be a good person and to be the best version of myself because my kids are looking to me and they are souls that I've been entrusted with by God to raise them and to lead them to heaven. That's our ultimate goal, right? When my husband and I got married, the priest said at our wedding ceremony, your job now is to help get each other to heaven. And it's the same thing for our kids in their baptismal, when they're baptized, 
and throughout their lives, we agree that we're going to raise them in the faith. And if I'm not being the first example for that, for them as their first teacher, something's got to give. And I realized that something in my own heart needed to change. And the way I was behaving needed to change, but that meant really that something inside needed to change. And I needed to refocus myself on Christ. I realized I was saying these things to my kids all the time. Stop whining. Go to bed. Oh my gosh, how many times do I say go to bed? <laughs> so many times. Even things like eat your dinner. And I realized that maybe God's trying to say those things to me too, that I'm a mother. But before I'm a mother, I'm a daughter of God. When I rediscovered and re-accepted myself as a daughter of God and accepted God as my father, then things fell into place and I could live those things better and I could be a better person for myself, for my family, and for God and to serve him in the way that he's called me to be. He's called me to be a wife and a mother. And sometimes I wonder, why did you call me to be a wife and a mother? I'm not good at these things. But that's exactly why he calls us. He calls us to a variety of different things, big and small. And I really believe that all the things he's calling us to um, he's calling us to himself. So for me, that's through motherhood. The book says CatholicMom.com on the front, but I really think it extends way beyond motherhood. Wherever you are in life, God's using it to call to you, and we can choose how we're going to answer him. The Lord is shifting your perspective on what it means to to be a good mom too. I remember when we first got pregnant with Marion, who we lost in a miscarriage, there was this huge weight that I put on my shoulders. You know, pregnancy is hard, but after pregnancy, it seems to get harder. Like when it comes to raising little people and all the decisions you have to make and just shifting your perspective from what it means to be a good mom too. Can you talk a little bit more about, did your parenting shift after you realized God doesn't call perfect people to be perfect mothers, but he instead he calls imperfect women to be imperfect moms and that's okay. Like, did that shift how you parented your kids? Did it shift how you thought about motherhood? Yeah, it did. I think it took some of the pressure off because I realized that I'm, I don't know if proxy is the right word, but like God is parenting these kids through me, right? And it's not all on me. Like I put it all on me and my husband, but um, for the way our life works, I'm home with the kids all day, and he works in Manhattan. We live in New Jersey, so he's in a different state most of the day. Yeah. And he's super present when he's here. He's an amazing father and a wonderful husband. But, I mean, FaceTime, I'm here more often. So it's easier for me to think, you know, if my kids mess up, it's my fault. Or if they do something good, it's because I did something good. Mm -hmm. And it's some, some of that is like, I sometimes I mess stuff up, and sometimes I do a good job. Fair. But putting it all on me is not the way God wants it to be. He wants to help me, right? Like he gave me a motherhood so that he could draw me to himself. And he gave, you know, he, he gave me these things. Some, uh, for example, sometimes I think I don't function well when I'm sleep deprived. Mm. And I have four children, eight and under. So I'm basically always sleep deprived, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, so why, God, why did you do this? Like, I'm not good at this. I can't do this when I'm sleep deprived. That's exactly why he did it, so that I would learn patience and I would learn humility and I would have to lean on him. And I, our oldest kid has food allergies, too, and he's had a couple of scary reactions. And in the throes of those or when he's, thank God, coming out of them and being okay, my gosh, like, how am I going to, especially when he was really little, he was diagnosed when he was less than a year old. Oh, wow. How is this kid going to go to birthday parties? How is he going to go to school? How is he going to, he can't go out and have a piece of pizza with his friends because he's allergic to cheese. Like, he can't eat it or he'll stop breathing. So yeah. how am I supposed to do this? I'm not supposed to do it. I'm supposed to ask for help. And I'm supposed to lean on God and trust that Mary's watching out for me and that the saints are interceding for us. It's not all on me. And I think our culture in particular tells us that we should have it all and also we should do it all. Mm -hmm. And if we can't, 
then something's wrong. But that's a total lie. We're not supposed to be doing it all. We're not supposed to be trying to do it all. Like when we realize that we can't do it all, we haven't failed, we've actually succeeded because that's drawing us one step closer to recognize and accepting God's love as our father. Yeah, that's so true. I love how motherhood has drawn me so much closer into humility, like realizing that I do not have to have it all together, that I don't have to have it all figured out, that I don't have to be perfect. And yeah, it's very much made me aware of how much I do not have it together, but how much God does too, and how much he uses that imperfection to definitely glorify him and his plan for our family for sure. Right. And do we want our kids to think that they have to be perfect? Right. Because they're not. Like right. I have great kids. They're not perfect. Our, our oldest, so he's eight, right? So he's in second grade and he's preparing for confession and first communion this year. And we've been talking with him about confession and what that means. And you need to be able to admit that you've done something wrong. And I was telling him the other day, God is going to give you these graces. He wants to give you these graces, like giving myself a pep talk as he's coming out of a timeout. <laughs> he wants to give you these graces, but he can't unless you're open to them. Right. And so you have to make your heart open to them or just even if you can't make your heart open, just tell God, I want my heart to be open and I don't know how to do it. So can you do that part too? Like he'll do a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. We just have to ask. And our culture is telling us that we don't have to ask. And if you ask, it's a weakness or whatever. Um, And not always explicitly. Sometimes that message is very subtle, um, which I think can be more dangerous because we can latch on to it more easily. But that's not for mothers, for women, for anybody. We're not supposed to be perfect. I mean, God wants you to be perfect in him, right? Mm-hmm. Not in ourselves. He never expected we were going to be able to do it on our own. That was a plan right from the start that we were going to need him. Good point. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise to him at all that we needed him. That was, yeah, very much in right. his plan. Jesus is like, no, guys, I got this. This is what I knew would happen. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Another thing a parent would say, I told you that was going to happen. Yep, 100%. He's like, hey, Israel. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you've written this book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You, and other parenting lessons that brought me closer to God. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind, like, from hearing your son using phrases that you used and and understanding what that meant. But how did that go from hearing that conversation to writing a book? Can you tell us a little bit about how it's organized and the message that you'd like to share with mothers who pick up the book and read it? Sure. So it was largely a movement of the Holy Spirit. Shortly after I had that revelation of hearing my kids talking to each other, I got pneumonia in July, which was really fun. Um, And I was in bed for like two weeks. I was so Mm. sick. Um, and then my husband and I were both well for a day, the day that we celebrated um, our 30th birthday together in the backyard. And then he got sick that night for the rest of July. Oh, so shoot. It was a really great month, but I had a lot of time to think while I was in bed. And I thought more about this idea, and I kind of thought about putting a proposal together. Once I was feeling better, I did. I finished the proposal. Um, I sent it to a friend, Alan Wright, who's also an amazing author. Our kids go to school together, and he's just a fabulous man. He said, yep, go send it in. So I sent it in, and the first publisher I sent it to said, yes, we want it. That's awesome. Which was so weird because I'd written a novel that had been in the editing process and through two rounds of submissions for six years. Wow. And that hadn't had a publisher, but this one found it, the first publisher, within six months. That's awesome. Um, The same week that the Cubs won the World Series. So I was like, it's the end times. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, So, and then it took me... um, it, it took about two years for it to be published, but I wrote it out. I mean, I wrote the proposal, had a couple of chapters, and then the rest of it, honestly, I would wake up in the morning, half an hour, hour before my kids woke up, and just write a chapter, like a 10-page chapter, just write it in the morning. That's it was awesome. ridiculous. There was some editing to do for sure, but it came out so easily that it was not all of my doing. Again, like, I know it wasn't me because 
things don't happen that way. You know, it just, it flowed out so easily. So the book is organized by the phrases that I say to my kids. I made a list of 15 phrases that I say over and over again, just thinking daily life, what have I repeated ad nauseum today? <laughs> and, um, and tried to see where I could find, where I could relate a story from my life. Where, when do I say this phrase? In what context do I say this phrase? And now thinking of myself as the daughter rather than the mother, what can I pull from that? What can I learn from it? And so I knew I wanted to have chapters about Mary and about the saints and about mass, about confession. So those found their way in. The pieces fell into place pretty easily. Each chapter also ends with a couple of reflection questions, a short prayer, and two or three lines about a saint that I would suggest we ask, that saint's intercession. And actually Mary's in there, I think, three different times under different titles, because I think, especially as moms, we can go to her for all kinds of things. She gets stuff, you know, in ways that we can relate to. And even though there are times that I think, you had one child and he was perfect, and I have four and they are not, so this is vastly different. Um, But there's still something, especially, you know, with our miscarriage, she knew what it was like to lose a son. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know for sure that our baby was a boy or a girl, but while I was still pregnant, while he was still alive in me, I was taking a walk and just had the name Ethan come to me, and it's a name we'd never thought of before. So I really feel like God put that in my heart. That's all the confirmation I have that it was a boy. I don't know. But it was enough. And sometimes I think, oh, I wish I'd known. And we even we asked for the test. They said they didn't know. He told me this, this is a boy, and this is his name. Mm-hmm. This is how I need you to call him. And at one point, we, I looked up the feast day of St. Ethan, and it's our wedding anniversary. So I'm more confident oh, wow. that that is the right name uh, for that kid. So Mary knows loss, and she knows what it's like to struggle to do God's will when, when your culture doesn't want you to, or when, um, I mean, she had to flee from home. You know, I've never, it's hard enough to be pregnant, like in a minivan, and she was on a donkey, you know, <laughs> so... She gets it, I think, in a lot of ways. And she's a woman, and I think we can draw close to her in a lot of ways. There's a lot of her in the book, too. Yeah, I loved that. In one of the chapters that she shows up, it's okay. It's okay, mom's here. That's so beautiful and such a good reminder because it's so easy to forget that, yeah, Mama Mary is always with us, and she has such a special view of motherhood that we can tap into and, and learn from. So that's so beautiful. Has your devotion to Mary changed as you've written this book, or is it something that's just grown deeper? What does that Marian devotion look like in your own life, but also in the life of your family? I think it's grown deeper since I've been a mom, for sure. When I was younger, I didn't know quite how to relate to Mary because of those cultural differences that she was on a donkey and I'm in a minivan, that kind of thing. And I think (laughs) as I've grown in my faith and experienced more of motherhood, that cultural stuff doesn't make a difference as much anymore. In the spring, my kids and I uh, consecrated ourselves to Mary. There's a great book called Mary and Consecration for Her Children by uh, Dr. Carrie Gress. I consecrated myself to Mary a few years ago, and I'd renewed it um, two years after that, and this book kind of came and fell into my hands. I didn't even know consecrating your whole family to a Mary was a thing, but we did it, and it was it's really beautiful. And so we say a, a short prayer every morning on the way to school, connecting with Mary that way. And I think just because I have drawn closer to her, I want my kids to know that too. I want them to know that they can rely on her, that they have me. Thank God both of their grandmothers are with them. Some of their godmamas we see more than others because of geography. But they have a lot of people pulling for them and caring about them and praying for them. And I think that is really important for them to grow up and have that stability and to to know that people love them and want good things for them and are interested in what they're doing and where they're going and who they're going to be. I think that's really important. And I think Mary's invested and these people that we see around us are all invested. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, I first found out Marian, about Marian consecration through my mom. We did it as a family when I, I'm pretty sure I was still in high school. Um, And then I've reconsecrated myself, whether it's been through like summer camp teams or I've reconsecrated myself with my husband on our wedding day and things like that too. But it's such a beautiful, oh, beautiful. practice. Yeah, I love it. It's just really good. And there's just like so many good daily reminders that you can incorporate into your schedule, like prayers or a Marian consecration chain or wearing a miraculous medal, but just such good reminders, especially to little kids too, about how, yeah, mom Mary's watching out for you. Like she, she knows what's going on and she's going to help you to get to Jesus for sure. Yeah. And I think for little kids who, you know, that their instinct is to go to mommy, then I think that's a good thing for them to relate to because it's already part of their lives so much. You know, they're not, only two of them are in school full time right now, but the other ones, I'm with them so much of the day that they are used to coming to me when they need something. So if I can teach them spiritually, you know, if I'm, if I'm not with you, then you can ask Mary to help you because she's always, she's always there. Yeah, and what a comfort too. I think too, that's what mom. I've yeah. realized too about my relationship through my relationship with God and parenting is that when I'm not there for my kids, God is. So I don't have to do it all on my own. Many times we, we encourage our kids to like go eat your dinner, go make your bed, wait a minute, like wait another minute. <laughs> when we say these things to your kids, <laughs> do you often find yourself realizing that you can still learn something from those phrases too? But also, how can we encourage our children to honor their bodies? and set a living example for them by honoring our own bodies as daughters of God. We talked about like kids are so quick to pick up on things. Gosh dang it. Like there's not many things that slip, slip by them. So how can that example of also like taking care of ourselves as moms be a good example to little kids to take care of themselves too? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I was talking to a friend about this earlier today, how I, you know, I feed my kids one thing and then I turn around and eat something else <laughs> and I give them the better food. What is that? Yep. Yep. How do I do that? You know, but you think the other one's easier. Well, I've already made the first thing. Just eat a carrot stick already, you know? (laughs) I think, especially with my my daughter, I'm very aware of body image and what I'm saying around her. She's Mm -hmm. only three, but these things happen really young for me. Like uh, other parents with young girls, older than her, but still little, tell me there's, I mean, it's out there so early. She did a little bit of dance at the Y and I'm kind of on the fence about how much more dance we want to do. I don't know. That's a, that's another podcast. But um, <laughs> she just started doing karate with our boys. I tell her, you know, we're going to go take care of our bodies today. We're going to be strong. And now <laughs> two karate lessons. And she's told me a couple of times, I can pick that up. I do karate. <laughs> so I, don't think that's, I don't think that's how it works, but good try. There's so much out there telling us subtly that our bodies aren't enough and that we can be better. I think men and women alike, the better example we can be that your body is enough. And there is dignity and they're honoring your body is honoring God because your body is a gift from God and he wants you to use it to serve him. That comes in all kinds of ways. But if you're given a gift, you need to use it well and you need to be grateful for it. And I think eating well and exercising regularly and going to sleep on time and getting up at a reasonable time too, maybe, you know, having a routine and having something to stick to that shows our kids. You, this is good for you, too. You know, sometimes one of my kids will say, well, I don't want to do this. Setting the table, for example, the other night. I'm always the one putting out the napkins. I don't want to make the napkins. <laughs> so I told him, I don't really feel like making dinner right now. Would you like me to stop? <laughs> you know? He's like, well, no. Well, then we all need to do things that we don't necessarily like doing sometimes because it's good for our bodies because it honors other people. And when we honor other people, we're honoring God. And that's what he calls us to do. So I think we can, we can always draw back that God has given us the gift of our bodies and we have to care for them. And when we do, we feel like caring for other people more, right? When we feel good about ourselves, we want to go and be that joy for someone else. We want to serve people because we feel like we can. 
when I feel sluggish and, and lazy and frumpy for whatever reason, um, maybe I stayed up too late, maybe I ate ice cream and stayed up too late <laughs> all at the same time, then I don't feel so great the next day and I'm not really motivated to go do the things that I'm called to do. But if I wake up in the morning feeling ready, feeling energized as best I can, I can serve God better and I can love him better and use the gifts that he's given me. And in that way, it goes back to saying thank you, right? We're, we're told in scripture, in all things give thanks and to pray unceasingly, which seemed to me like nearly impossible. How can I give thanks in all things when people are asking me for things all the time and I can't take a breath sometimes between one sentence and the next or any of these things, but th- these are all things to be grateful for. And th- the way that I'm doing my work, the way that I'm serving my family, that's a prayer. That's praying unceasingly. It's not sit in a chapel and be quiet all day. For some people, that's their vocation. That's how God is drawing them closer to himself. That's not my vocation. My vocation is to be here in this house with these kids and writing and um, being in my church community and serving there. So if I can prepare myself and maybe make sacrifices, I, I'd rather watch another episode of The Great British Baking Show right now, but I really need to go to sleep. Um, then I can serve better the next day. Then I can maybe lecture more clearly, or I can just smile at someone and not have to get over being grumpy and tired before I can be kind to whoever comes in my path. It's little things and it's big things, but when we take care of ourselves, then we can go out and be, and be Christ for other people without getting over that hump of being exhausted <laughs> or whatever else it is. For me, most of the time it's being exhausted right now. <laughs> so I keep going back to that one. But in different stages of life and different seasons, there are different obstacles. So if we can honor our bodies, we can use them better to serve. And our kids see that example and they want to do it too. Like my daughter saying, I've been to karate. I'm so strong now. Check me out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think it's so beautiful. And I think it's so interesting too how like kids pick up on the good and the bad too like if we as moms are critiquing our bodies whether that's like how much we exercise or what our physical bodies look like or how maybe they don't look like what we we look like before we got pregnant like I'm in that stage right now um it's like gosh I don't look like how I used to you know even like a month and a half ago but kids pick up on that and it's like it's sending mixed messages to say like oh my gosh you're so great as a daughter you're beautiful and you're good and then to turn around and be like gosh but my body's awful or like gosh i i need to do something different and we've got to send them the same message on on both sides whether that's talking about our bodies or talking about their bodies too exactly and when especially like our kids all um very much have the same face they all have brown hair brown eyes except the youngest one who is blonde with blue eyes so people keep telling us they all look so alike. You know, this one, it looks like someone just colored him in differently. Um, <laughs> and they say, oh, they look just like you or they look just like your husband. Well, then if I'm going to go say, oh, my body's not good enough, but yeah. my daughter here is you look just like your mom, then what is that going to do in her head? Right. You know, she's going to put that together at some point. And I want her to, all of them, especially. My husband read a book a while ago um, about St. Teresa of Lisieux's father and how he never told his girls that they were beautiful. They were, but he didn't want it to get in their heads, whatever. So my husband, John, kind of had that in his mind. And we had a girl, and I'm telling her she's beautiful all the time because she is. But at one point, he was like, are you kind of overdoing that? And I told him everything else, not everything else, but a whole lot of other stuff in this world is going to tell her she's not. Mm-hmm. So she needs us to tell her she is. And she needs her brothers. Thank God her brothers do it on their own. Like when Aww. she puts on her dress for mass on Sunday on their own, they will say, Sarah, you look so beautiful, like a five-year-old. That's so great. And they need to understand that that is important to tell other people sometimes, too, not to 
um, to an extreme degree, but that's a way to honor somebody too, to say, I noticed that you took some time in the way that you dressed and the way you put yourself together today. And that's like, good job. God gave us that too. That doesn't have to be um, an indulgence. It can get to that point, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a way to honor God by the way we um, we carry ourselves and we present ourselves to other people. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And too, if she's like receiving the affirmation as a daughter and as a sister in her family home, this is a good, safe environment for her to grow up in and to mature in. Like there's less of a tendency to go look for that in places that aren't going to satisfy or places exactly. that could hurt eventually. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Exactly. Then some other boy tells her, you don't look good enough. She's like, wait a minute. Right. I've been here a lot of the time that I do. So that guy's the liar. Right. Right, exactly. That guy's messed up, not me. Right, right. And yeah, that's such a confidence booster, especially, gosh dang it, you're so right. Like it starts so much younger than we think. Like I remember thinking like, oh yeah, probably like 11, 12, 13, that's probably when girls start. No, shoot, it's like three, four, five. Like based on like my little sister and watching her grow up and, and listening to her conversations, it's like, oh wow, it always starts so much littler than we think it does. Yeah, and it's scary. And, it, and it's, it's just not, gosh, I wish it were like that because they are, they're all so beautiful. Sometimes when I'm not losing my mind, I look at my kids and just think, oh, my gosh, like, how did this happen? Especially because they all have the same face. Um, <laughs> so I look at my youngest, who's eight months, and my oldest, who's eight years, and I think this older one used to look like a blink ago. He looked like that. Mm-hmm. And now look at this beautiful, amazing little boy that he is. And then I can look at the baby and think, who, who will you become? Who are you as I'm getting to know this little guy? It's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. And to understand, I talked about this at the beginning of the book, we look at babies like that, right? That there's promise and there's such hope and all of this, who knows who and what this baby is going to be. And as we get older, that kind of, it gets tarnished and it fades and our sin gets in the way. And maybe when we get down, maybe we don't always get up quite so fast. But we don't look at adults the same way we look at babies. I mean, not that we should be going around saying, you're so cute, or like, look at those eyes or something. And True. Those, those chunky thighs. <laughs> not appropriate. He gets a lot of compliments on his thighs in the summer. Um, but that, oh my gosh, you are a creation of God, and mm-hmm. that is unreal. Like, we don't look at adults like that. At what point do we stop looking at each other like that? Because it didn't stop being true. Right. So yeah. if we can look at each other like that, I think it starts, for me too, that started with looking at myself like that, and realizing that I looked at my little boy but especially when we brought him to baptize him. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is how God sees me. Yeah. No matter what else I've done, the good and the bad, like, I loved that little boy before he could do anything. Not because he could do anything. Not because he was smart or funny or anything else. Just because he existed. And that's how God loves us. Right. And that's how we're called to love every every everybody else in the world it would be a giant change in the world if we could all see each other that way and treat each other that way the world would change drastically right right because you're right it does change we don't see adults that way like shoot if i looked at my coworkers with the same like wow god made you that's so cool as i did like this little baby growing inside me shoot i probably would treat coworkers a lot better like i'd probably treat my family a lot better probably treat my husband a lot better like you said like inappropriate terms like but <laughs> <laughs> there are certain lines with the balance um, <laughs> I think about like one of my kids has a like we have a baby pair of pants and it's like striped pants with a lion on the bottom like I can't wear those as an adult I don't want to wear those as an adult there's there's a time and a place but the fact that the fact that you are created and that's enough you know that's the baby beautiful mystery thing that we we forget about or we let other stuff get in the way of yeah 
Absolutely. we got to find our way out of that. A really good resource as a Catholic mom, as Catholics in general, Catholic women, Catholic men alike, is the communion of saints and how we're not alone and how they too, like from heaven, see us striving and they're like, oh, that's so cool. Like, look at them. They're doing so good. Do you like, do you have a particular communion of saints, like a saint tribe who's lent you heavenly help as you raise littles who you've gotten to know in different seasons of your life especially like you're pointing out like each chapter of this book ends with a saint were there any particular favorites that you put in there as well yeah absolutely so we have this kind of long litany of saints that we pray for at bedtime um so when my mom or john's mom watches the kids they they're like they have to have the kids do it because there's so many of them that they can't remember them all because it's like anyone like who's kind of remotely named related to one of the names of our children and we've got a sarah Teresa, so you've got three Teresa or therese's in there um a jacob so you got james and jp2 like three yeah. thomases it's a little it's a little ridiculous um and then we throw in at the end and all the saints just for like the half dozen we missed um i think for me finding ones that have had similar life experiences um has been really interesting to me. Elizabeth Ann Seaton and I share a birthday. That's awesome. Um, and I was baptized Lindsay as a derivative of Elizabeth, which I'm not entirely sure is true, but that's okay. <laughs> um, she lived in New Jersey. There's just a lot of, like, a couple things that we had in common. And so that made me interested to learn more about her. She's not a super long time ago saint, Mm-mm. lived in New York. I lived in New York for a while. So there are some kind of things that I could latch onto and find common ground. I think it's the same way that when you make a new friend, right? There's something that draws you to them because maybe you have some shared experience or you have some shared interest. Then you get to know them. You know, if you can read a biography or even like a, a quick website, a short bio, it doesn't have to be like a 400 page book to start, but getting to know a little bit about who this person was and understanding that they were real people. They weren't legends. They're not myths or fables. They're real people who in spite of everything in the world or because of everything in the world, we're still drawn to God and chose to follow the path toward him and messed up sometimes along the way. Cause we all do. Um, but, but they let that love be the strongest thing. And there's so much again in our world that's telling us there are things to choose instead of God and having that example, like a role model, you know, the same way that maybe, you know, you put a kid puts a sports star on their, a poster in their room then maybe there's a medal that you keep in your wallet or a ring that you wear or something to remind you of these. I do love JP too, because kind of he was, I, I'm interested in the ones who are, especially the saints who are alive, either within my lifetime or within my parents' lifetime in the recent past, knowing that this can, this still happens. Um, so I love JP too. I love St. Gianna. I have a quote of hers in my room, uh, whatever God wants, mm-hmm. which I think is, the best way to live our lives. It's not prescriptive. It applies to everybody, right? It's whatever God wants for your life, for you right now. What does God want for my life today? I don't know yet, but I'm going to try to follow what he wants instead of what I want. Your will, not my will be done. I do love St. Therese of Lisieux and her parents. I love that her mom and dad both had businesses, but her mom's business was more successful. So her dad stopped his and started working with hers, which is not true in our family, Mm -hmm. but I think that's really cool. And her mom lost what, four out of nine children. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to miscarriage, like yep. she, I don't know that they're all miscarriages. Some, if not all of them actually were born, but she knew that pain and she persevered to literally raise a household full of saints or right. saints like in, like in time, I think we're going to get there that most of them will become saints. So I just think that's fascinating and beautiful that you can do all these things. You can do these things if they're what God calls you to, whether that's 
St. Monica and St. Augustine. And St. Augustine's feast day is my birthday, so things keep going back to my birthday, right? <laughs> but I think that's interesting. Why, did, why was I born on this day? Maybe there's some way that God is, maybe this is a way God's speaking to me, saying, look up, you know, see what, August 28th, whose feast day is that? I think there's so many ways into them, and they're just fascinating because there's something of everything in there, different cultures, different times, different places, but they're all going back to the one true you know, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. They're all, we're all going in the same direction. And I think there's such motivation and encouragement there when you can see the things they struggled with and the triumphs they still had because they trusted in God and in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I love how they all point us back to the Lord. Very much so. Like, we're not alone. A lot of saints have walked similar, not the same because all of our stories are unique, but very similar paths as we have. And there's such a comfort in knowing that they're, yeah, they're right along beside us, striving for us and cheering for us. Absolutely. For listeners who want to learn more about what we've talked about today, the saints at the end of the chapters, throughout all the chapters of your book, where can they find um, your book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You? It's uh, online. You can find it at Ave Maria Press. You can also find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books Million, IndieBound, kind of wherever you find your books, um, you can find it that place online. That's awesome. Is it, is it surreal to like walk into Target or to browse Target's website and see something that you wrote on there? It's kind of weird. My mom told me the other day, she went on Amazon and started typing in my name. It just came up. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> it is, it's really cool. Yeah, the, the Hallmark in town, the guy who owns it is a parishioner, and so he's stocking it in his store. Most of the stores don't have it, unless you're at like a little Catholic bookstore, they might stock it. Or other store may be able to get it if you order it, but right. it's not like... On the shelf. But it's at the Hallmark, like next to our shop, right? My son oh. and I went in there and totally took a selfie with it. That's so <laughs> that cute. So cool. Like at the register, there's all these, it has a hot pink cupcake on the front of it. So it's it's pretty easy to spot. <laughs> it is, it's still kind of surreal. It's very cool though. It's, it's, God is good. You know, and knowing, as I said before, like this book was not my doing. It was very much God working through me. And I'm just really grateful that he asked me to do it. Lindsay, the question that I ask women who come on the show to kind of wrap up the interview is how do you live out the feminine genius, especially as a woman who is a mom, encouraging your littles to grow in holiness? I live that out by trying my best to listen to what God is asking of me and to do it um, and to not let my my preconceived notions or my assumptions or my desire for something of this world to get in the way. I think sometimes that means writing. Sometimes that means saying, mommy needs a minute so I can finish this piece. Sometimes it means putting my computer away and playing a game of Uno where only half of the rules apply. Um, (laughs) But it's being who God made me to be. Because I think if my kids can see that, they can see that I'm not following anyone's path except my own, then they will be encouraged, I hope, to listen to God and to follow whatever path he asks them to be on as well. That's beautiful. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for also for sharing your story through this book. It is absolutely beautiful. I loved reading through it as as a woman who's looking forward to saying all of those phrases to my little kids and hopefully learning from them as well. So thanks for coming on the show today, Lindsay. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And I'll be praying for you and your little one. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you can find all the show notes for this week's episode, which include links to Lindsay's book, Don't Forget to Say Thank You, and other parenting lessons that brought me closer to God, which you can find at your local Catholic bookstore through Ave Maria Press or online at Amazon. You'll also find places where Lindsay writes all over the Catholic web, like Verily, Natural Womanhood, and Catholic Mom, and some articles and books that both of us mentioned in this episode. If you're an iTunes user, head over to iTunes and rate and review the podcast so that more women 
can find this resource. And that's all I have for this week's episode. But until next time, be not afraid.